This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate eco-friendly practices into your daily life. We've recently been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of changemakers. I'm your co-host, Laura Alexander Wittig, founder of Brightly.eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We believe in supporting all creatures, great and small, and our team of experts show you how to consume and shop responsibly by recommending world-changing products, brands, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the world-changing goodness that we feature, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. is brought to you by Pod Pronto, our podcast editing service. If you're looking for friendly, fast, and efficient podcast editing, you should definitely check out podpronto.com. So I'm not sure about what you think, but myself and the rest of the Brightly team all agree that over the past year or so, it's been difficult to turn on the TV or scroll your favorite social media channel without being reminded of the plight of the planet and its inhabitants. Whether we're talking about the loss of billions of animals in Australia because of the wildfires, or understanding the economic impact of Hurricane Maria on the residents of Puerto Rico years later, it's normal to feel overwhelmed, discouraged, and helpless. We say to ourselves, how can I do something? How can I make a difference? So then we try to do some quick research and eventually end up in a spiral of misinformation, which leads to inaction. Well, listeners, today Lisa and I discuss the best ways you can be helpful when faced with a natural disaster or crisis in your own backyard or halfway around the world. We'll leave you with actionable tips to have at the ready when you want to roll up your sleeves and help those in a time of need. We approach this topic with humility, curiosity, and of course, the utmost respect for those who are on the ground assisting victims. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to ask, whether you're a new fan of Good Together or you've been listening for a while, we're thrilled to have your support. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you like what you're listening to. And don't forget to ask questions and share feedback on Instagram by following us at brightly.eco and using the hashtag goodtogetherpodcast. All right, let's get started. Hey, Lisa. Good morning. <laughs> hey, Laura. Happy Saturday. Yes. Happy Saturday to you, too. Um, I We were just like, before we started recording the podcast, Lisa and I were just reminiscing about this fun clothing swap event that we went to um, last week at The Wing. So we are members of The Wing. It's a women's co-working space. We love it. Uh, we've hosted yeah. workshops there. It's just, it's just a beautiful space. They have a bunch all over um, the U.S., and they did a clothing swap event, which we're actually in the process of planning 
a lot for Brightly. Brightly. Um, but we had so much fun. I was just laughing because Lisa is wearing her sweater that she got there. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing it like the since we got it, like I'm wearing all the time at home and outside. So it's kind of weird, but <laughs> I'll give it the 30 wears for sure. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And I came home. I bought I got this really cute sweater, a top like from some labels that I love, like Madewell. And say I, I don't know how you got these amazing labels like right, right off the bat. And it was so quick, you know, it was 30 minutes in and out. I was because I was kind of uh, skeptical. I'm like, oh, I have to bring my clothes and, you know, sh- kind of shop. But it was so quick and not mm-hmm. overwhelming at all. Yeah, it was fun. We had a great time. Um, and listeners, if you're interested in hosting a clothing swap with us, um, we're coming up with a program where we're going to give you a kit. Um, really empower you to host an awesome event for your friends in your house, get people aware about circular fashion um, and have a really fun time. Like we were saying, this is like such a social event. Like women were trying clothes on, they were talking to each other, like complete strangers. And I think it was a lot more like collaborative. Um, But anyway, if you're interested, um, make sure to sign up for our email list at brightly.eco and also feel free to send us a DM on Instagram. Like we'd love to include you. Uh, but yeah, let's let's get into today's topic, which is not as happy as a clothing swap, um, but it's something that you guys have been writing in and asking us for um, for advice on, um, and and that is the topic of how you can best help in the face of a natural disaster. Um, so of course we're talking about the Australian wildfires um, that are still ongoing. Um, you know, I think. They're, they're they're relatively contained from what I've heard right now um, in, in certain areas, but um, you know we also of course live up here in, in Northern California. We were victims, um, uh, at least affected by the the wildfires recently. Certainly, we weren't victims. Sorry, I misspoke there. Um, we were made aware of um, you know plights of victims. So um, yeah, so I think there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, I know Lisa is particularly passionate about this subject. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think it's it's also now with all of the social media, you know, everybody's kind of living through this together and people are coming uh, coming together to help and support, you know, the victims, people affected, animals affected. Uh, but also there is, again, so much information and, of course, there is some misinformation. So we want to help you. Uh, kind of, we did our research. I've been doing the research on this topic for many years now. Uh, we've, we've done our research and uh, we want to share with you again, as you actionable tips of how you can help in the most sustainable effective way because ultimately we all want uh, to have the most bang for our buck right in this sense bang is social impact Um, so let's dig into this topic and um, yeah so Australian wildlife fires of course um, it's in everyone's minds right now, uh, but we will keep it general. So, uh, you know, in natural disasters, unfortunately, it's a recurring, uh, a recurring event, right? Yeah. Whether either there's nothing we can do about it. You know, so it, how- um, I, I just want to jump in. I actually read this article. We'll include it in the show notes, but it's of course an opinion piece, but it was from a scientist who was arguing that we're going to start to see more and more of these types of issues come up as we're faced with issues like climate change. Um, and of also, course. you know, governments unfortunately are not actively funding prevention measures um and so that's going to be something we talk about a little bit later but i thought that was an interesting piece where regardless of what's going on with the weather um with the earth heating up we know like we know climate change is happening but let's even take that away um it seems like governments around the world not just here in the us and australia etc 
have been um, not necessarily funding prevention measures. So, you know, we'll talk about what you can do to help. Yeah, there, I but would love. To, yeah, I would unfortunately, love to we gotta. We that. have to all get to a point where we start to really become. Um, I don't know. We want to become climate um, aware, and we also want to mm -hmm. become um, crisis aware, which is what this is about, right? Yes, exactly. Um, so natural disasters, so how you can help. Uh, and if you guys, if you have already helped, if you donated to different organizations, give us a shout out on Instagram, on other social channels, DM us, we would love to hear from you. Um, but yeah, why this topic is so uh, important to me, because probably one of the, the first, I would say, what, like super publicized natural disaster, if you you can say that, was the Haiti earthquake, right, in 2010. Um, that's when Facebook was, what, four years old. And um, Haiti and the earthquake that happened there was basically my first fundraising experience. Uh, I was still a student, and um, I, you know, you just, you know, again, it was so buzzy, publicized. Of course, we were on university campus, so everybody wanted to help, and we did a fundraiser with my student organization, and we raised $500, so walking some $500 uh, for American Red Cross. Um, but I mean, I that's a big deal, right? And I think one thing I want to want to call out too is, I mean, obviously the Haiti earthquake was not the first publicized uh, disaster. Yeah, I want to make sure that like social media buzz. Exactly. You know? I yes, think yeah. that's the best way to, to ground this yeah. is like, that was the first time we can all collectively remember hearing about it constantly because it was dominating our news feeds. It was dominating the news. Um, and you're right. Like, I think this was one of the first times where people really felt compelled to do something on their own more so than really anything that's happened in our generation. Right. Yeah, exactly. And basically it happened all around the world. Same thing, of course, as we see with Australian wildlife fires, but in Haiti, again, that was the first time, you know, there were incredible sums uh, were donated. And um, later, um, uh, so we are donated to American uh, Red Cross, who I went on to volunteer later on after I graduated. Um, but um, as I found out later, donating to American Red Cross was might not have been the best and most effective thing to do back then. So um, fast forward to, I don't know, what, what was that? Uh, 2016, 2015, uh, I learned a lot. I researched much more. And um, unfortunately, another natural disaster happened in Haiti. It's a tiny country, as you guys know, one of the, the poorest in Western Hemisphere. And again, government can't do much there, unfortunately, it's pretty broken. And then there was hurricane. And again, there's no prevention that the government and people were, were they were not able to do that. Um, so anyways, we did, a, we, we did a fundraiser together with my other organization. And this time I wrote a blog post about rebuilding Haiti and uh, doing it right. So anyways, I don't want to be stuck at Haiti. So let's talk what, what we've learned in terms of what to do and what not to do in the time of natural disaster. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the first one, of course, it's, it's very simple. Uh, send cash, right? Uh, give money to establish a local organization and send cash. And why do I say uh, establish local organizations? It's because they know the situation on the ground the best. Um, and Laura, you shared a great article uh, when we were researching for that on them on Australian Yahoo, right? There was like sports clubs and rotary clubs that are helping on the ground. Right? Yes. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about other ways you can, um, you yeah, can help um, in addition to giving cash. But I think we can't say this enough. Like 
the most impactful thing you can do is give cash. Um, and I think this can be hard for people to wrap their head around because we are very used to, I mean, depending on how you're raised, but most people I think are yeah. used to rolling up their sleeves and wanting to do things with their hands um, and really, and feeling like that is the most impactful thing they can do. And certainly if you happen to live in the area that is being affected, I mean, already, of course, you're going to be displaced. You're going to be um, unfortunately suffering from this, um, you know, from the disaster. So you probably have your hands full dealing with your own family and, and helping out in that regard. But the answer, exactly. of course, is not to hop on a plane and go, and we'll talk a bit more about that later. Yeah. But um, the answer really is to give cash. And I, um, we, I've been part of various Facebook groups relating to the Australian wildfire. Um, and there's been so many, um, so much outpouring of support. But again, it's cash. And to Lisa's point, um, I think we all need to figure out better ways to research what we're giving to. So um, mm -hmm. one way is by um, going to Charity Navigator, which um, is, yeah. is primarily used here in the U.S., but I do believe they've got a few international groups on there as well. Um, yeah, I on their website, um, and we'll link to it, of course, they have uh, five, uh, five organizations that they recommend, but it's U.S. organizations who are helping in the responses. Uh, there's and, and as Charity Navigator, we mentioned that before in our episodes, they, they rate uh, the charity in terms of how effective they are, how they spend how effectively they spend their money, what is their overhead versus their program of, um, programmatic costs and things like that. Um, so one of the few is World Animal Protection, Global Giving, Direct Relief, Save the Children, and Good three, uh, 360. But yeah, I personally, and I shared it with Laura and Dory, our podcast producer, um, I personally uh, donated to WIRES. Um, it's the Wildlife Rescue uh, Australian Organization. And also, you know, I, I think another important thing, we all listen to influencers and celebrities, they all quote it in the news, especially right now, Australian celebrities. Um, so, but oh, be mindful of that. Don't just, uh, don't kind of blindly believe everything you hear, but to her credit, for example, Nicole Kidman, you know, was one of the celebrities that donated a pretty nice uh, big sum to the uh, to help the, with, uh, with operations on the ground in Australia. But I looked at her post, it's on her Instagram, we'll link to it, but all the organizations that she recommended are actually based on Australia. The, the Rural Fire Service, Fire and Rescue, um, Tasmania Fire Service, and things like that. So I, I double-check, I, tri I triple-check, all of the organizations are local and kind of like, uh, you know, something that we would suggest. Yeah, and that was going to be another tip that I wanted to share, which is, find a subject matter expert that you trust to do the research for you if you don't have time to do the research. So um, if exactly. there's a news source that you trust specifically, um, make sure to see what they're recommending to do. Um, we try to do research for you as well on Brightly um, to make sure that we're recommending um, great organizations as well. Um, I, um, I, I heard Wires was a great uh, place to donate um, for the Australian wildfires. I also donated to um, something that was a collective of a few local um, groups. So there was a, a few, it was called, um, I'm looking at it right now, it's called the TRC ARF Wildlife and Bushfire Appeal. Um, and, I, and I found that because I was in a Facebook group of women in Australia. Um, and so they were all talking and, and mentioning this one. Um, and then it also came recommended by um, the Australian Zoo. Um, who, um, you know, Bindi Irwin um, is, a, is an employee, a huge advocate of what they're doing there. So anyway, 
she, to me, was somebody who was a subject matter expert that was able to speak to mm-hmm. um, really the best place to go. And I think on the subject of celebrities, I think most of the time they seem to vet things before they um, before they recommend, probably because it's more of a PR crisis um, if it ends up going to the wrong place. So like what whether or not the motivations are great, um, we know that celebrities do want to help. They oftentimes... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are able to get the word out in a bit more of an organic way to their fans. So I wouldn't necessarily discount celebrities, um, but it's probably a good idea to maybe Google the charity that they're supporting before. Exactly. Just do some research. Yeah. Um, But we are here to do the research for you, of course. For sure. Uh, And yeah, talking about going back to American Red Cross um, uh, is you, you know, local organizations, and we mentioned that before, you know, it's okay for charities and companies, um, non-profit companies to have overhead costs. That, that's that's not my personal big, biggest problem with that. But in Haiti, American Red Cross, and that's the research came in 2015, um, when they, um, um, yeah, for Haiti, uh, 500 million was raised for Haiti, um, for American Red Cross specifically. That was in 2010. And in 2015, research came out that out of uh, 130,000 uh, 100, uh, homes that were supposed uh, to, uh, 130,000 people were supposed to uh, be provided homes by American Red Cross, the research that came five years later uh, said that they only actually <laughs> built six houses or something, something completely crazy. We'll link to that article in Yahoo Finance. Uh, we'll link to my blog post from 2016 um, um, to their original research in that as well. So that was, yeah, yeah. so when I was writing that blog post about the Haiti, that's when I really started, like, I never donate to charity, just like out of batch, like, would you like to donate, like, you know, like Whole Foods, for example, they always ask you, would you, do you want to give change to something? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I want to be able to research first. I I don't don't want to give mine, just out of principle. Like, most of the time, again, there would be good charities and stuff like that, but I want, I want my money to be effective. And yeah, kind of- I mean, at the end of the day, um, all of this stuff is very personal. So some people might feel okay with donating maybe small bits of, um, of amounts mm-hmm. of money to places that they don't have time to do um, the accurate, the accurate uh, research, such research. as going to Whole Foods and saying, you know what, that's fine. You can top up the rest of my receipt, um, you know, 75 cents or whatever to the latest thing. I think that's okay. Um, me personally, some people like yourself may not like that. Um, there's also other ways to give, um, which we're going to talk about later. And I think the the point that we'd like to get across is a lot of times these international organizations have a lot of crazy red tape, crazy politics. And so they have their own issues. Sounds like there's definitely some with American Red Cross. I know of a few people who are choosing not to support certain organizations that have certain religious backgrounds. Um, I think that's another thing too. Like a lot of these charities are traditionally operated by specific, um, you know, areas of of different churches. So if if that's a church that you go to, that's great. Um, Feel free to support that. If it's not one that you, I mean, just again, figure out what you're comfortable with. Um, And the other thing I want to mention is, of course, most of the time, these international organizations, um, we'd like to hope have a, a varied process by which they allocate funds. So you'd hope that, you know, some of that mm-hmm. money is going to, of course, they're going to have their overhead. Okay, fine. Put a little bit of that to, to it. Shouldn't be much. Um, and then the other thing, 
I think is where is the where's the money actually going? So is it going to help support those local organizations? Because some of those organizations do that, right? Some say, you know what, we just have a small back office and we do the research for you and we funnel them direct funnel this money directly into the local orgs. So that's great. Others like the Red Cross and et cetera, et cetera, they um, you know, want to do everything themselves. So they'll be the people that fly into the space. They manage all the programs. I'm sure they have reasoning behind that. So Again, um, research, figure out what you're more, you're, you're most comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so it's your money, ultimately. Yeah. And um, so absolutely, it's up to you. Uh, let's chat about the what not to do. And uh, what not to do is, for me, number one is do not send in-kind donations. And we'll um, discuss a specific example that was, uh, that happened uh, for, with Australian wildfires, right? But in terms of in-kind donations, and usually it's, you know, uh, as we like to say, uh, like our old t-shirts, right? Haiti or third world countries, they don't really want uh, the, your old t-shirts. And the main reason is that when you're starting to send free products uh, to these countries, you're destroying local economies. Um, shout out to Poverty Inc. documentary. If you haven't watched it yet, it's amazing. But one example, uh, again, they used is Haiti. It was just like such a massive event and such massive amount of money. I think it was like 600 billion was raised for Haiti that that time. So like, you know, it's it's in all the documentaries and all the research is like years and years later. Um, but anyways, um, America, USA, I think specifically, was sending a, uh, through Clinton Foundation, I think. I will fact check that for you. Um, but we were sending essentially a ton of free rice to help Haiti, right, after the earthquake. And what it did, it completely destroyed local farmers because, you know, the price of rice went down. Same thing uh, with, you know, Tom's and one for one idea, right, when they're giving free shoes in Africa or again, your free T-shirts. Uh, in Africa or anywhere else in third world countries, anywhere in the world, they are fully capable of creating, uh, you know, farming rice, making their own t-shirts, clothing and things like that. So again, you're destroying the local economy this way. Yeah. Um, so that's very important for me. Absolutely. And the other thing is, like we just said earlier, the best thing to do is to really listen to local organizations. So you would hope that bigger organizations like the Clinton Foundation that you mentioned or American Red Cross or all of these other um, folks that are trying to do good that's great. We love that they're trying to do good, but we would hope that they are actively listening to those uh, local organizations because exactly. those people are going to be able to put out a call for what they want. Um, and so I also want to make sure, you know, you said don't give in kind uh, gift donations. I think that's applicable about 90% of the time. But if the local organization puts out a call and says, you know what, we could actually really use um, soap uh, because soap is helping yeah. X, Y, and Z then, you, you know, local organizations need to be able to respond that way. So, uh, yeah, you know, so from a person's a perspective, I don't really think it makes a ton of sense for you to go out and buy that soap, right? It probably makes more sense to donate exactly. to the org that's doing it, right? So um, we, when the hurricane in Haiti happened, I think it was two years ago, uh, we had, um, we worked with an artisan organization there. So what they did, uh, we, we raised a bunch of money with them, but what they did is basically, okay, people need rice, people need water and things like this, but they partnered with local farmers, producers, organizations who are giving. So we were not shipping again rice from US, but buying it from local farmers and sending it to people in need. 
So exactly like your example, but let's talk about knitting for koalas. I know. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's talk about that because that was I something that we. Is that how you call it? Uh, yeah. Knitting so this is actually another thing. So I know we just talked about something not to do. Um, I want to yeah. talk about the concept of craftivism because that's actually what came into play with the Australian wildfires. I and mean, we actually created a video about this and published it on Brightly.eco social channels, and we got a ton of shares. And I love that we we're able to showcase some good in the world. Now I'm going to talk, I'll tell you about the whole situation and we'll kind of talk about what actually happened. So um, unfortunately the latest uh, numbers are putting hundreds of millions of animals die, um, ha have died in the Australian wildfires, which is devastating. Um, I did see a number that was saying over a billion. I mean, it's just the number of animals that have have passed away because of this is just staggering. And it, honestly, it's really heartbreaking. And I think a lot of people can get behind animal rescues and animal um, plight because, you know, there's not really much politics involved. We all love our pets. It's something that really, I think, uniquely tugs at the heartstrings for people. Um, and so anyway, uh, there's been quite a few koalas that have been burned. Um, there's been quite a few, uh, let's see, there's been uh, kangaroo babies. They're called joeys. Um, I'm sure the Australians listening Why to this. Why are they called joeys? joeys. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure the Australians listening to this podcast are laughing that no one knows what a joey is. But actually, a joey is a term for a baby kangaroo, and it also applies to other marsupials um, and other animals, um, but basically just means a baby. Um, mm -hmm. And so a lot, unfortunately, they were running into issues where the mother a kangaroo had passed away, but the baby was still in the pouch. Mm. So we actually, oh. um, you know, saw videos and, and photos of volunteers going out, unfortunately looking at bodies of dead kangaroos and checking to see if the babies are in there. I mean, just absolutely heart wrenching. Um, and so these babies um, and the injured koalas and and um, baby bats who traditionally had habitats. I mean, picket hundreds of types of animals were needing various. Um, enclosures for them. So for instance, joeys need little pouches to be, um, you know, to ensure their adequate development. They actually need to be hanging out in a pouch most of the time during the day. Oh, um, cool. And so there, uh, there was a need for crafters to create pouches for them. Um, mm -hmm. There was also a need to create little wraps to go around baby bats um, and to create mittens for koalas um, who unfortunately had their poor little paws burned. Um, so oh it, it really was um, a unique need that was actually yeah, a call for crafts specific. was sent out by, um, it's called the Animal Rescue Guild, um, sorry, Animal Rescue Collective. Um, but what they ended up doing was they created a Facebook group uh, that was designed to help get all the crafters together from around the world in one place. They could share patterns so, so people knew exactly what to be knitting or creating. Um, and then they could share information about how to get these um, finished crafts over to Australia. And what the, the amazing thing that we got to see from an overall um, observation perspective was people, first of all, this Facebook group currently has over 200,000 members in it. I'm in That's it. That's amazing. Um, and they were growing thousands and thousands of people per day because people were hearing about this initiative yeah. and feeling okay. like, you know what, I can actually roll up my sleeves and do something with my hands and be helpful. I think that's a really visceral feeling that we all have when we feel heartbroken and want to help. We really want to just say, you know what, I want to hop on a plane and go to Australia, which is another thing you should not do. Do not go mm -hmm. on a plane 
to the site of the disaster um, unless you were specifically going with a group. Um, that is absolutely terrible. It, it, it leads to lots of chaos um, and, and is a distraction, honestly, from what really needs to happen. Yeah, as I would like, as I like to describe that, is like, unless you're Kate Winslet in Contagion movie, stay home. <laughs> That's right, right? <laughs> yeah, she, she was the, center, center for Disease Control Dog. Right, yeah. she was sent there on behalf of a government, right? Like, yeah, yeah. unless you're like mm-hmm. deployed do- there with a yeah. group, a government, the military, et cetera, please do not go. Um, and as a matter of fact, the other thing that's been interesting about being in this Facebook group is you'll see questions from people like that, like, hey, um, should I get on a plane? And so the the interesting thing was um, a bulk of the people, at least at the beginning of the in, um, when the group got started, were from Australia. So it was kind of local or locals. I mean, locals in terms of the country, it's a huge country, mm-hmm. talking to each other, trying to connect. Um, And then, you know, as it got more and more international attention, more and more international folks started to join. And so people started to um, discuss various things there. Mm -hmm. So it ended up being an interesting perspective. Now, let me tell you, um, so the good news was because of this call, um, the shelters got what they needed quickly. I mean, they got more than they needed. And that starts to become where where the good starts to unfortunately go into the negative, where the shelters and the rescues and the zoos are now completely overwhelmed with uh, with offerings from people from around the world. I think, uh, did they at some point, like the shelters and the zoo, uh, did they start put, putting information out that said we have enough? Because yes. like after you start doing it, you should be following, right? Yes, like, exactly. And that's a good point. So if you happen to respond to a call for a craft or something that's needed that you are making, Make sure that you are in active contact with the organization who put out that call, because that's a great point, Lisa. The second that they, the organizers of this group, the admins, started hearing from these various shelters, please stop. Um, you know, they they put out all of those things. The other thing, um, in addition to wanting to make sure you're monitoring to see whether or not the, the goods are still needed, the other thing was a lot of people didn't fully read the instructions. So, for instance. They would get the pattern, they would go out, run to their nearest Joanne or Michaels, grab some yarn. And as it turns out, certain types of yarn with like acrylics and things like that are actually not good for animals. Um, And, you know, there's also an issue of like sterilization for the little mittens because they're kind of coming into contact with raw skin. Um, So there's all sorts of like complexities here. And of course, we're being really specific to this this specific case study in Australia. But I think it's a good reminder when other, I mean, we know more of these types of things, unfortunately, are going to happen. So let's make sure that you follow the directions and that you're really in touch with the group. Um, so yes, unfortunately, now the Australian um, organizers have had said, please, please stop. We love you, but we, we literally can't handle it. Um, and it's because A, they don't need any more in terms of um, volume, but B, they were also starting to talk through. And of course, this is something for for organizations to learn but they they kind of didn't anticipate a the the amount of things that were coming in and b how much work it was going to take to sort through those things receive the packages like there's all this like logistics basically you're distracting these people on the ground who should be doing something else exactly now you you know they're going through those needed or like in case of old t-shirts right you're like they're going through the stuff that they should not even be spending time exactly so like i think again it's just trying to be mindful thoughtful about the way you're giving um you know that now the the positive side um of all this other than the fact that people were able to help the animals in need which is great um is that people started to come to the group and say, oh my gosh, like 
I'm upset. I really wanted to knit something. Well, what did the admins do? They had a great response. They said, why don't mm -hmm. you contact your local animal shelter and see if you can make a bed for a dog in a shelter? Oh, or, you know, what's the, what's the type of craft, animal craft that you can do that's most relevant for your area? And I loved that they had that response rather than just that's saying, hey, um, you know, sorry, we don't need anything else. It's, it's kind of, I mean, it's not good. I mean, it's amazing to see all this outpouring of kindness, right? In this, uh, this tragic times and the natural disasters. Yes. And I think it will become just like bigger and bigger because again, we here all believe in humans are ultimately, you know, good. Uh, and, but it's also amazing to see how, you know, it's kind of like it's continuation. Okay, we helped Australia, give me something else to do. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. Keep doing that. Absolutely. Um, and people were, you know, people were coming together in small groups. They were doing like everybody meet up at our library so we can knit. I mean, the community that this crisis created is, is a, is a blessing. Um, even though the crisis itself is, is terrible and we wish it hadn't happened. Um, so yeah, hopefully if you were curious about what was going on with that, we provided some info. Um, I personally didn't knit anything because I'm not a knitter. Um, but you know, I, I think, by the time I would have finished it anyway, being a newbie <laughs> knitter, it would have been not needed. So I'm glad that um, I didn't try. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I don't think it's the time uh, to take up a craft from scratch. Because again, the, the very important thing with natural disasters is how rapid the response is, right? This is the most critical one. And that's why, again, going back to cash is the most impactful, especially the early days. Absolutely. I think we covered everything. Uh, I think we covered everything. And, well, uh, Actually, there was one, there was one other point I wanted to make and kind of leave us on a, a bit more of a, you know, an actionable tip here is, you know, we talked about giving cash. We've talked about what not to do. We've talked about being a craft crafter using craftivism <laughs> um, if, if it's called for and doing things with your hands. Um, you know, volunteering is something like regular volunteering, um, you know, is always something to do before crisis hit, right? Like if you want to if you want to go volunteer at a local organization, do that. And I want you to feel that you're being just as impactful as you would be in, in, in the time of a crisis. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is we talked a little bit about this at the beginning, but a lot of these crises, um, if you will, are preventable to some extent. Um, and yep. they're preventable by governments. And I think we have to be clear about that, regardless of your um, political leanings. I think we can all agree the government has a responsibility to make sure that certain things are kept up um, to where, you know, for instance, you know, things are adequately trimmed to prevent these types of things, that they have programs yeah. in place. Or in Haiti, you know, uh, the country is hit with a natural disaster every single year. You know, they should, and especially after so much donations came into the country, they haven't built the houses that uh, can withstand earthquakes or hurricanes. And they have hurricane every single year. Exactly. And so um, the answer to that, the clear-cut answer is government regulation. And honestly, government regulation is sort of an underlying theme of most of the topics that we talk about on this podcast. As consumers, we can do as much as we possibly can, but there definitely reaches a point where we do need systems in place to step in and say, you know what, this is how we're going to fix things. And so the last thing I wanted to leave you with is a call to action to, um, you know, think about a crisis that might have come up in your local area, um, whether or not it got international attention or not. And take a second to research your local government official 
and send them a note to just let them know, hey, I mean, you could even say if, you know, we, Lisa and I could potentially write someone here in, in Northern California and say, hey, look, um, you know, while we weren't personally affected as much by the wildfires that happened here, you know, recently, we are continue to be concerned about what's going on. Look at Australia. Look at how these are becoming how more. How to best prepare? Yeah. For how those. can how can we ensure that we're voting for the right policies and the right people to make change at a broader level? So, please don't ever forget about the power of sending a quick uh, letter or email. Most of them have email forms. Like, don't yeah. even bother with letters if you don't need to. Um, but don't forget to do that because it can make a huge difference. Yeah, and the the last thing I wanted to also mention uh, is the community that you mentioned, the power of the community. Yeah. And uh, I think this is what we're building ultimately with Brightly, right? It's it's all about the community. It's, uh, how can we come together, uh, not just like once a year or in response to natural disaster, how can we come together, learn from each other, uh, and do actionable things that, again, will help prevent natural disasters, hopefully, will help, uh, you know, preserve a better future and better environment for next generation. Absolutely. Well, thanks for, for um, sparking this conversation, Lisa. I think it's something that's going to be really valuable to the listeners um, and really um, happy to have talked about it with you. Yeah, awesome. I'll t- we'll talk to you, what, in two weeks? Yeah, sounds Thank good. You. Bye. <laughs> All right, bye. joining us on another episode of Good Together. As always, you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco slash podcast. And we're now live on YouTube. Just search for Good Together Podcast to get the video recording of this episode and more. While you're visiting, don't forget to join in on the conversation by leaving us a question through voicemail or giving us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the social channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally, we want to leave you with a reminder. Every day is a chance for you to create change, and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.